You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today we are focusing on the final domain, domain six, for the CPT-7 review. So for those of you who are studying for your CPT-7 exam and you're going through that process, this is a supplemental podcast to help support you as you go through that process. I'm hoping that you're finding it helpful, and I know many of you are because I'm receiving DMs and Instagram on a regular basis and occasional emails saying thank you so much for doing these. Uh, one of the emails that I got said, uh, it was a DM on Instagram, said, I really love your podcast, but sometimes you go through and talk too fast. So I am being very deliberate and trying to slow down what I'm saying. And it probably doesn't mean much to you now because we're in one of the last sections of the podcast for a CPT7 review. But I tried it on the last one, which was professional development part one. This is professional development and responsibility, our second portion of it. And this particular portion of your uh, domains of study. There are six domains of study. This is the final one, the sixth one. Development of your final exam, chapters one and chapters two. I do want to point out that I am not strictly going through this for the purposes of your exam, but I am throwing in stories and content and experience. So it's not just about the exam, but it is also about you and what it means for you and your professional development and how that applies. So today we're going to be talking about briefly Ray writing job search, a day in the life of personal trainer. And then we're going to get into the sales and marketing process as we wrap it up. So Let's talk right now about resume writing. This is an opportunity for you to showcase what you have done in the past and give a little information about you. Now, it needs to be interesting enough and applicable enough so that a potential employer can look at it and say, yeah, I'd like to learn more about this person. So a resume should be one to two pages long no longer than that. I don't care how much experience you have. It is a resume, not a curriculum vitae. So we are not writing out multiple pages of what you've done in your life, but a resume, one to two pages, and it should be creative, right? Give a little bit about yourself. Um, don't make stuff up. I don't mean creative. <laughs> I don't mean creative by making stuff up. I mean, be creative about what you do. I think one of the really important things in addition to being creative is being organized. And I have seen some really sloppy uh, resumes in the past. Now, I don't see them very much because I don't hire people so much anymore. But as a fitness manager, when I was looking at resumes, it would be amazing that some of the stuff that people put together. So just be very organized as you put that together. Um, you can be conventional, but also a note to be a touch unconventional. Be a touch unconventional in your approach. And that might be, 
you know, a little segment about you. So again, just a few sentences about you and your experience, but about your life, something that's interesting enough where I go, look, this person doesn't have much fitness experience or any, but it's pretty interesting that they were a seven time national karate champ. I think that's kind of cool or that they like skydiving or that they travel and these are some of the things that they experience on their that by fitness well so i don't know something unconventional also adding in some vulnerability some vulnerability um as a fitness professional i knew that i didn't know everything so if i had a personal trainer came in that certainly thought that they did know everything that was the first thing that let me know that they probably didn't so uh, allow your vulnerabilities to be exposed, show them and let them know. So, and I'm not talking about just saying that, um, you know, I, puppy dogs make me cry, but being vulnerable about your experience and some life experiences, not just your fitness experiences. So resume writing, one to two pages, creative, organized, unconventional, and vulnerable. Now in the job search process, where do you go to look for a job? Well, in the previous episode, we talked about the different types of gyms that are out there. There are low, mid price gyms, your premium gyms, there are community centers that you can look at. There are also a lot of independent studios where you can run space or a boutique fitness that you can work at wellness corporation so organizational wellness and um uh, going into industry to work fitness in there so what it just depends what kind of job you're looking for are you looking to be a personal trainer are you looking to be more of a group fitness or group exercise instructor are you looking more to be a coach do you want to transition your career right now as you're starting to wrap up your cpt7 and say i would really like to be a nutrition coach, right? So that gives you maybe a, a path. I know what I'm gonna do next after I finish my CPT-7, I'm gonna go for the NASM Certified Nutrition Coaching Program, right? Like, what do, what do you wanna do and focus towards that? Also, so the job search, interview. Uh, question I get a lot, attire. What should I wear? I know you're going to work at a gym, but do not walk in there wearing just gym clothes. My suggestion to you is to walk in in professional attire, right? To look a little bit more professional. In a suit, but coming in in professional attire as if you were going to interview at a place not fit because fitness inter and depends on you. It, we expect you when you come in to not come in like you just finished a workout. This is a job interview and the appropriate attire goes for that regardless of the industry. So dress it up a little bit, shall we? What about the interview process? And the interview process, there are a couple of things they're gonna ask you. One, they're gonna ask you about your strengths and your weaknesses. Go in there prepared for discussing what your strengths and weaknesses are. There are many other things that will be involved here, but one of the things that are not involved that um, on, on their part, which you need to think ahead of, which are what are the questions that you want to ask them? 
So don't go in there just seeking the job and ready to answer any questions they have without you yourself prepared to ask them questions. And it's even nice when I see people, I may have answered all of their questions, but when they look down and they say, look, I have four questions that I wanted to ask. Uh, I ask you, uh, all right, you answered questions one, two, three, and four. This is how you answered them. I feel really comfortable with it. I hope that you feel comfortable with me. I look forward to this process and closing out that interview. There are many other things to discuss, but that's part of the process. And then another part of the process is how to follow up. Here is a sticking point for some trainers and, and that it's just simply uncomfortable to follow up. You don't know what you're going to say. You think, well, if they want me, they would have called me. Uh, it doesn't always work like that. So if, if we are in need, then yes, we're going to call somebody and we're going to get somebody on the floor ASAP. If we are not necessarily in need, what happens is so many things come our direction as people who run facilities or manage facilities that we aren't prioritizing this, at least in the week's time that you are likely wanting to see some of that being prioritized on your behalf. So what do you do? Follow up. You can follow up with an email, which might be the most comfortable version of the follow up. Uh, so follow up with an email. Let them know that you appreciated their time, that you enjoyed the time together, you do think it's a good fit, and that you would like to know when you would hear back, whether it's a positive or a negative, that you'd appreciate uh, a response email or a phone call. So learning to follow up. So job search and interviewing, where to look for jobs, what to wear, the interview process, and the follow-up process. All right, let's talk now about a day in the life as a CPT. So here's a day in the life as a certified personal trainer. And you may hear things like you get to set your own hours. And that's not true necessarily. Um, not even when you own your own business, because when you you can set specific working hours, but the hours really depend on what your facility is going to require of you. And it's going to depend on when your clients train. So you may only want to work from uh, 4 p.m. to 10 p.m. But so many people train early in the morning. What you'll probably see is that you'll eventually be splitting your time early mornings and af later afternoon, so before people go to work, when people are done with work, and you'll have a few people kind of speckled throughout the day that you might be able to train. So working on setting up your hours. So now I've gotten to the point where I don't train as much, and when I do train, I train only in the morning times up to early afternoons, and then when it's time for me to go and pick up my kids from school and things like that, that my my focus is 100% uh, on that after a certain time of the day. That's something that you gotta work your way up to. Also be aware that you may have to work weekends if you're going to take this job, right? So if uh, you work uh, and your religious focus uh, is stymied by that, right? Then you have to figure out how you can do this. So you you recognize Shabbat, so you don't want to work on Saturdays or uh, religious Sunday um, 
things that you don't want to work on Sundays. And a lot of places won't hire unless you work the weekends. So figuring out what that looks like and adding value to what we do on the weekdays so that we are limiting on how many times we go in. If you like working on the weekends, then this is a home run for you. So you'd be able to, to set that up. And a lot of times people aren't going to tell you why, but if you say, I can't train on these days, that might be the why. And that might be something that you ask as a question of follow-up if you're curious to know what it was. All right, um, so that's a working hours. You'll have facility duties. You'll have to clean up. Everybody's gonna have usually sections or responsibilities. So your section are the free weights and the leg room and your section to wipe down the cardio equipment. And when I worked uh, floor hours as a personal trainer many moons ago, I uh, my fellow trainers loved it when I worked because I hated being bored. And when I was new to training and I wasn't working with that many people, I just cleaned everybody else's sections. It drove me nuts. The place might be filthy. I would go, I clean up the other sections. And I will say this, I picked up a whole lot more clients than the majority of trainers did at that gym because the people who saw me doing my job diligently versus the trainers who didn't do much, they were more, more interested in working with me because I seemed like the type of person that they would like to work with. So do your facility duties. I'm not telling you necessarily to do other people's duties, which is what I did, but I don't like being bored. I liked working and I worked and that work paid off. All right. So we talk about setting specific working hours, facility duties. Let's also look at safety procedures. So you're gonna need to know a lot about safety procedures. Some of those are gonna be evacuation procedures. Some will be CPR, AED procedures, first aid procedures, uh, being aware when somebody is sick, when somebody is uncomfortable, and working with people on uh, as you train. Are they safe training modalities? I saw so-and-so do this at such and such games and I thought that would be a really great thing to do, but your client has never really worked out before. So it's not a great thing to do. Everything is based off of that assessment and then you focus on your time with that person, what they can do, how you can support them, how you can spot them. And those are very important components when it comes to a day in the life as a CPT. So check out that section in your text in addition to the intro to sales. And I'm gonna start this process off by, when, when I first started teaching, it wasn't for NASM. I worked for a corporate gym in New York City and they would hire a lot of new people. There were a lot of gyms there. And I would teach them some exercise science and program design and things like that. But the last day, was a business course. And I remember talking about sales. And that's what we're talking about now, the intro to sales process. We're talking about sales. And I remember having a person sitting in the back and they raised up their hand and they just said, I, I, I didn't get into this job for sales. And it's funny when I mentioned this to um, other educators and people who have been in the business for a long time, they all kind of laugh at that because you can't really separate the two. You got into it for a reason, but you can be a really good trainer. And if nobody buys it, then it don't matter. 
So what we're talking about here is the intro to the sales process. The person raised their hand. They said, I'm just not good at sales. I can't sell. I don't feel confident at selling. It's just not something I can do. It's not what I got in here for. It just goes on and on about it. And then after they were done, I was about to speak to it. And I'm glad I didn't. One person in the front raised their hand and they said, may I speak to this? And I said, yes. And that person turns back and looks at the person and goes, I think you're really great at selling because you just sold me on how not good you are at it. And I couldn't do anything but smile because it was the confidence that they had that they weren't good at selling. It was the conviction that they had that they weren't good at selling. It was this like gut investment that they had that they weren't good at selling and it sold everybody on it. How about we replace that with that gut conviction that personal training is important and that fitness is important? What if I can talk with confidence that based on what you're trying to do, it's something that I can help you accomplish? You got to believe in yourself. Confidence relays competence. And when a sales process is performed correctly, as we identify a customer's need, first of all, what do they need? Number two, communicating solutions. And then number three, making the sale. That's, that's the process, the one, two, three. That might be something you need to be familiar with. One, two, three, identifying the customer's needs, number one. Number two, communicating solutions. Number three, making the sale. When the sales process is performed correctly, there is no pressure placed on the customer to force a decision. A sales professional guides the conversation by asking customers several open-ended questions. These questions help the sales professional learn about a customer's wants, what they need, what they fear, what they desire, what they're comfortable and uncomfortable with. A salesperson can then accurately communicate potential solutions back to the customer. I think sales isn't anything but communicating. I want to find out what you want. I want to see if I can develop a solution and communicate that back to you. And then we market. Um, we, we focus on making that sale. Now, one of the things that you may think, because this is what I thought when I was new, uh, let's say 100 bucks is how much a single training session is. And I would go, 100 bucks? I wouldn't pay 100 bucks for me. I don't think I'm worth that. So I have a hard time asking for 100 bucks from somebody else. Listen, stop projecting your issues onto other people, right? You do your job. You find out what they want. You provide a solution and you ask them for the sale. And if you work for a gym and that's a hundred bucks, that's how much, that's how much they charge. Then that's how much you tell them. You don't have to say, I'll give you a free session on the side, right? Just to make it a little bit. No, what you do is you provide value. The value you provide is either worth it or not worth it. It's not for you to decide whether or not that value is worth it for them. So what do you do? You ask. You ask if it's worth it. And if it is, they'll make that purchase. And then what? Provide the value and try to figure out how to identify those customers' needs and support those needs. But they tell you almost everything. So talk with them, communicate with them. 
be in communication and be open about it. And the same thing I think goes for what we talked about in the resume process. Like you can be a little unconventional and you can be a little vulnerable and you can open up about yourself. I don't think anybody wants to think that, oh, my trainer is perfect and they never even have uh, snacks that uh, that aren't, you know, chicken and broccoli and rice. I think, I think just be open and honest with people and, uh, and, and allow some vulnerability to come through. Now, what about these, it's kind of nice working at a gym because at a gym, they do a really good job of bringing membership in, or we hope that, right? But now we need to prospect. There are a group of people at that fitness facility. And for those of you who don't work in fitness facilities, you're independent. You have to do this without a pool of potential clients just waiting there for you, right? So prospecting and lead generation. Prospects are potential sales leads that can be converted into paying clients. They're not just random people off the street. They are instead individuals that the fitness professional has already identified as being potentially interested in fitness services. That's the great thing about working at a corporate gym. Everybody there is already kind of interested in fitness services, right? They're in the gym. Prospects can be identified in a few different ways. Here they are. These are the four things that I want you to think about. Asking for referrals. That is the most powerful way that I think is possible. People that you already work with, people that you already train, ask them for referrals. Working the floor. The other one is working the floor. Now, I know some of you think that floor hours are mandated. I have to work the floor. Hey, hey if you don't put on the I get to work the floor hat, then you look like you have to work the floor and nobody wants to train with somebody that looks like they have to be there. So work the floor. Talk to people. Offer towels, maybe, or water, or, hey, you want to do a, a five-minute abdominal or core workout? Do you want to, um, you know, I, I see you working this, and maybe I can take you through, uh, you know, no pressure. I just want to hang out. I'm, I'm, you can even say, hey, I'm pretty bored right now and I can't think of anything more fun than working with people. Can I work with you for five minutes and think you through a, take you through an arm training program? Or just work out some arms or let's do some shoulder stability or whatever. I saw you get up after a bench press and you circled that shoulder a few times. I'm going to take you through a shoulder stability workout. All right. Working the floor. Warm leads. People you already know or kind of know. Working those warm leads, it's not cold, it's not people you've never met, but the problem is if you don't meet people, then those leads won't be warm. So go out and meet people, introduce yourself, just say, hey, what's up, y'all? I do a, hey, what's up, man? My name's Rick, and I'm one of the trainers here. Look, I'm not trying to hit you up for training. I just said, if I can help you with anything, you got questions for me, uh, holler at me, happy to help out. Pardon me, miss. Hi there. I see you doing a lot of uh, cardio. I think it's great. I hope you're hitting your goals. My name's Rick. If there's anything I can help you with, whether it's goal setting or maybe doing some resistance training, anything, just let me know. It doesn't matter. Just talk to people, but don't talk to people as if you're trying to sell them on something. Talk to them as if you're trying to help them because nobody's going to buy anything if they think they're buying it because that's what you want. They're going to buy something because they feel it's what they want and they need and it's helpful for them. Also, you can do inquiries from social media. Here's the other thing. When you're on social media, ask people on social media 
if they would like to train with you, especially in the comment section, as you start posting things and people are commenting on your workouts or this or that, then follow up, uh, direct message them and say, hey, you followed up on this comment. Listen, I do virtual training. If this is something you want to do, or I have an eight week program, if that's something you want to do, then feel free. Let's talk about it. All right. So in inquiries from social media, then we've got of our sales and marketing is we're going to wrap this up with about three more slides on my end. Sales and marketing. What is sales? All right. Getting people to, to buy things that they want because it's a service that you can provide. Right. So there's an introduction to the sales process that we look at. There's prospect and lead generation, building rapport, forecasting, and asking for the sale. Introduction to the sales process, prospecting and lead generation, building rapport, forecasting, and asking for the sale. Well, what about marketing then? Marketing is getting that stuff out there. Like, how do I do that? How do I build value and a brand? Do you ever hear people say, uh, like a shark tank or something, and they come and they, they, they say, this is what I have. And they say, well, you have uh, a device, not a brand. And, and for a long time, I was like, I don't even know what that means. And the brand is the device. And the brand is the story around the device. The brand is what color things are. What's the story about it? Not just who it supports, but how it began and what it means and who is my demographic. And then there is a SWOT analysis to build a brand. What are your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats? What are the four P's of marketing? So we'll talk about those two things. Uh, SWOT analysis and the four P's of marketing. SWOT analysis and the four P's of marketing. I just want to say that one more time for those of you who may be interested in the examination. SWOT analysis and the four P's of marketing. There's also social media when it comes to marketing and industry events and networking. There are email campaigns. But let's move into the SWOT analysis. S, strengths. What are some of your strengths? Well, you, you're an NASM CPT certified personal trainer now, right? Or are you about to be? So that is a strength. What are the weaknesses? I'm not confident in asking clients for money, which we talked about, right? So strengths, I'm a certified fitness professional through National Academy of Sports Medicine. Weakness, I'm not confident in asking clients for money. Well, that tends to lead into opportunities. What are some opportunities? I can take a workshop to learn more about sales and marketing for fitness professionals. There are a lot of things out there. So you find your weakness and how do you turn that weakness into an opportunity, an opportunity for your next steps? And then what are the threats? Competitions from other health clubs and training studios in the immediate area. Some of you may consider other fitness professionals that work at the facility you work at as a threat. If you do, and I don't think that's a healthy way to look at it, but if you do, what are your opportunities? Working more floor hours, being busy, finding those complimentary introductory sessions and how do I work with those people and building your business by identifying strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Then there are the four P's of marketing. The four P's of marketing. The first P, product. The specific product or service offered to the customers. What are you offering? 
personal training, right? So find out what it is you're marketing, but can you narrow that down? I like working with people that are, right? And then you add in about to get married. I like working with overweight or and obese individuals, or I like working with people that focus on cardiorespiratory training or uh, max strength training. Right. What do you what, what services do you offer? And then prioritize some of the things that your focus are. Pilates, right? You have a certified personal trainer with a focus on Pilates integration. Other P of marketing. So let me just go through them. Product, price, place, and promotion. So price, the amount charged for a product or service, including the volume discounts, means if you buy a package, do you pay less? There's seasonal pricing. A lot of people are out of town in the summer, so you drop your prices then and raise them back up when the fall and the school season starts again. Bundling packages. So if you do this and that, then what can I do for you? If you buy you know, a 12-pack, uh, also throw in some virtual coaching. Huh? Price. Place. All right, place. Channels of product or service will go through to reach the customer. How are we going to go about getting that customer? What are the channels that we go through in order to do that? What, what columns, what, what are these ways that we get to reach the customer? And then promotion. The communication of information about the product or service with the goal of generating a positive customer response. How do we promote that? We're not selling it. We're just promoting it. We're talking about it. We're getting people interested, interested in us, interested in fitness, interested in our niche. So as we do that, we promote what we are most connected to, then we are going to make contact with people that are most connected to that. All right. We're wrapping this up right now. Continuing education for those of you who are finishing up your NASMCPT. Here are the requirements. It's a total of two continuing education units or CECs. Uh, CE, that would be credits, continuing education unit, CEUs, every two years, 1.9 CEUs from continuing education, and then 0.1 CEUs from your CPR AED certification or recertification. Um, for each hour, that those two CEUs, uh, one contact hour of study is 0.1. So you need tw about 20 hours is what it turns into over the course of two years. What opportunities are there to get the CEUs? Trade shows, their workshops, online CECs and specializations that you can do. Um, for instance, some of the, the trade shows that are out there, like the Optima Conference is a great conference that NASM puts up. There are all sorts of workshops that you might have attached with some of the products that you buy through NASM. Online CECs, so you can do them online. Many people are, um, they have to be affiliated with NASM. So make sure that they're affiliated with NASM and they offer NASM CEUs. And there are many education that you can go through out there. And there are other specializations that you can do and they can get you a lot of continuing education units. So like there's NASM, uh, certified nutrition coaching. There's the corrective exercise specialist, performance enhancement specialist, many products that NASM has. If you go through that, that puts you into a specialization and it renews your certification. There are college courses. So if you are taking college courses, 
you can apply some of those college courses or industry contributions. So um, sometimes writing things, uh, 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 speaking at an event, those can be industry contributions and you can appeal to have those uh, applied for CECs. And then acquired skills and benefits. So working with niche populations and increased pay those are going to be things that go along with your continuing education as you start to build your toolbox of what you can do and who you specialize with working with builds a niche population for you and then you're able to ask for more money because of the education and the time and your new skill sets so those are opportunities all right y'all um I hope you found it helpful and beneficial. We've got one more of these that we're going to talk about, and it's really about exam prep and our exam prep conversation. It's not, I mean, here's the information. We've already provided the information. We'll have a podcast coming in next week, and that podcast is going to be about exam prep. How do you prepare for the exam? Uh, what are the things that you have to do? Uh, we'll go through CEUs a little bit. Again, we'll go about setting up your testing, what you need to set that up, what to expect in this process. So that conversation will be next week. I hope that you found this particular one beneficial in helping build your business, building your brand, professional development, and the relationships that you have with your client. My name is Rick Ritchie. If you've got questions for me, you can hit me up on Instagram at dr.rickritchie or you can email me at rick.richie, R-I-C-H-E-Y, at nasm.org. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.